Before we get into our episode, a quick word from our sponsor. International Misanthropy and Fringe present Friday, September 15th, 2023 at the Kingsland in Brooklyn. Bob Marinelli, the noise enigma from the 90s. First show in forever. Also appearing Star, Albrick, DSM-3, Half Mortal, Dust Belt, Skin Crime, Laureate. Tickets at the door, $25. A night of international misanthropy. You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. We've got a little bit of a different episode in store today. We are going to discuss a zine that had a pretty big impact on me and the kind of noise that I gravitated towards, especially early on, and exposed me to a lot of artists that I have since come to love, we've talked about on the podcast, and that is Audio Drudge, which was published by Jason Mantis, who would go on to do Malignant Records, and again, I talked about the Malignant uh, mailing list and the catalogs and all the stuff that I would order from there, so this uh, looking back through this zine was a, a nice trip down memory lane and also sort of reinforced the reasons we love print media and the documenting of this culture, because this is from 1995 and came with a cassette with Daniel Menchie, Smellin' Quim, and Naminax on it, who are also featured in the in the magazine, which is awesome. And I feel like you don't get those sorts of things these days. Yes, it's a really cool issue. And we have the idea to go through it. And each of us took an interview to focus on and report back on, take notes on. And then we're going to discuss the issue as a whole. And like Grace said, the importance of print media and the importance of this documentation, because this being from 1995, there's some really cool stuff when you look at this as a whole and what is about to happen, what is talked about, that's going to happen and some things that do come to fruition, some things that don't come to fruition, but really enjoyed going through this and especially knowing what a important magazine and issue this was to Gray. This was actually, we did not have any audio dredges. So uh, audio dredge for us was we're obviously very familiar with it and have been since, but this is our first time really diving into an issue. And just to note our extra segment today over on the Patreon will be our recent listening and recent seeing of a show, Gray seeing and playing a show, and general discussion of that. So that will come right after we discuss this magazine. So this magazine is industrial from the get-go with a photo of like an oil drilling tower or something of the sort connected to a crane. And the cover is designed by Stefan Alt, aka S. Alt of Aunt Zen. So already showing some industrial ties here and, and kind of giving you an idea of what you're in store for black and white and open the magazine. The first inside page is a release your mind ad, which is awesome to see because what was coming out at this time? Oh yeah. Where it's about a venereology, Naminax, tribes of Neurot, and one that I'm curious if the Connollys know, because I'm not familiar with it, Ornamentation by Trial of the Bow, which mm -hmm. essential for 
Essential listening for fans of Dead Can Dance, Oyuki Conjugate, Muslim Gods, and Rapoon, which sounds like, why don't I already know this one? A hundred percent. I'm with you. We don't know it. It was it was one of the release, relapse, project names that mm-hmm. always you knew about, knew the name. I mean, I have, because they're on, are they on, they're, they're certainly on either Release Your Mind or Release Your Mind 2. So, so in some way it's entered our ears, but not something that we know or familiar with or own any. But that definitely sounds like something we should all be checking out. Yeah. That's one of those things I love seeing in these old magazines, of course, is the ads. So this is a great way to kick it off. And then we get a table of contents listing what is in here. And what is in here is interviews with Namanex, Smelling Quim, Daniel Menchi, and Roger Carmonic and Colby Industry, as well as an article by Stefan Knapp from Meritree, which is about the term industrial versus a, a new <laughs> definition or description for total, total 90s music. zine topic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and exploring a, the genres. And a survival research laboratory like article overview discussion of their video works and live performances, which is really cool. And SRL was one of those things that was also very early on, like discovering that and seeing those videos and being like, what what the hell is going on here? So and then, of course, a bunch of reviews, which looking back through them now. I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course I know about this. And, of course, it's in here. Like, that, the connection is really strong when you haven't seen something like this for a while. And you go, oh, there's there's two Bacillus reviews in here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know? It's 20 pages of reviews. I mean, it's a lot of reviews. So cool. It is. It is cool. And uh, and then we're right in with the giant Naminax power plant smokestack zone with the intro page to the uh interview which also i think is their track title for the cassette that came with it yes and i took the namanax interview as the interview i will read and report on of course we we all looked at everything but i i focused on this tara did the smell and quim and gray with the menchie so that will be the order we'll go on because it is the order of the zine and this interview is really cool because Mm -hmm. a 1995 because of what is going to come and how everything is just getting underway really for relapse releasing noise and important to note right away interview via fax so we got a fax interview right there right off the bat probably maybe how all the other ones are done but Mm -hmm. just this was noted right away and Actually, not how the Menchie was done. Oh, well, there you go. Nor smelling Quinn. Well, hey, you know what? I'm psyched. And, and, you know, pretty much most of this issue is is a one-man band, you know, between the reviews. I mean, you know, the majority, there are other contributors, but we're pretty much looking at Jason doing the vast majority of this, which is pretty, you know, great in general because – just that 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 total determination of getting out an entire magazine, multiple issues, more or less being a one person project is overwhelming and wild to think about. But and I do enjoy the disclaimer at at the beginning of the the re, the release, the zine uh, that says 
Don't expect future issues to have quite the same amount of reviews. Time between issues dictates the amount of reviews included. So there had been a little bit longer period of time until issue six came out. And, and therefore there were a, a girthy amount of reviews. If you're one person putting together a zine this massive, every issue is going to have a sorry. This one's a little behind schedule. Every, <laughs> yeah, it's great. I was going to say just about every zine in the world has that disclaimer. <laughs> that, like, like the sorry for the delay. Like, it's just how it's going to go. These things take time. Problems may arise. Like, definitely on, yeah. on the table of contents. Exactly. Of so, so of course we're going to have that. But Namanex, of course, being Bill Yerkowitz of Relapse and you know, really the, the the mastermind behind release and you know Exit 13 came from that world as did Relapse of course of Bill Yerkowitz being in Exit 13 and it's just really great to not only get an overview of Namanex but where Bill was at and thinking at the time uh, of this interview with what he's going to do with with release and what he's going to do with Namanex. And you know, he states right away that Steve from Exit 13 was uh, and also Pika was an instrumental part in helping him figure out how to be able to do Namanex, helped him how to how to link things up, how to seemingly how to really create noise or at least give them the tools and the connections to to create noise and you know this was really when it was all happening like grace said and there's the ad uh venereologies is 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 out it's reviewed in this issue in the interview he talks about things that are about to happen japanese american noise treaty mm -hmm. is is happening lists the people coming he says he's in contact with Atrax, Masana, Brighter Death Now for future releases. Those things happen, you know? So it, we're we're in that, you're seeing that, all, all these things that we've talked about for four years over here on the podcast, the importance of all this stuff. We're, we're getting this art interview that is the beginning of that for us what really propelled us into this world. And it's so cool to see. And his excitement is so present in his words when he's discussing upcoming releases, because it is just, again, must be a really long page of that facts uh, covering yeah. all of the, the projects that he intends to cover, all the releases he intends to do. And even, even staying like, Hey guys, I'm going to need some help. Yeah. Like, it's a big project. Yeah. I'm going to need some help because I've got a lot of stuff on the horizon and, and it's really exciting to read it. And I love the passion that it, that really comes through when you see these words. It's so cool. Which by the way, I don't think we mentioned if you would like to look at this issue and right. you don't own audio drudge, uh, we'll put a link up for the archive. Yeah, it's on archive.org along with some or, other sorry, issues. Archive.org which is also a great resource to find older zines and stuff online. Like I highly recommend if you're looking for something, you're wondering about that, a it, invaluable resource to have. Also, you looking for a 15th century woodprint? Go there too. Right. It's a great it's, place to go. It's, it's, it's so, it's so much great stuff. And yeah, we specifically wanted to pick something so that everyone could go look at it and mm -hmm. read this in its full with all the ads. And there's, there was a number of ideas we had to do so we're certainly going to do more episodes like this because it's like like we're all saying an invaluable resource to have these available to read and to look back and to see how it was all put together at the time so yeah we're gonna have a link up for this issue and any issues we do of any magazines moving forward 
part of the idea is that we will we will do issues that will be available to people. Now, you know, don't quote me on that. We might not always, but the idea is <laughs> that. No, nope, you said it. Uh, Sorry, yeah, 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 it's yeah, done. Yeah. The idea it's is that we're going to try to do that. You know what else is in this Namanax interview? There's a there's a Deadline Records ad. So, yeah. so the ads in general are so incredible. And yes, Deadline has an ad that finishes this off and it looks incredible. And, you know, again, something that's so great about zines, the reviews and the ads, because you get to see in one sitting an overview of that couple months or that six months or that year and it's all in there and you it puts things into context in a way that sometimes you forget about or just can't look, you know, 20 some years later, you you forget when, oh, wait, yeah, those did come out in the same time, that that sort of thing. So it is really important uh, how all this is put together. The It's cool, speaking of Namanax directly, just the idea of asking if he was interested in playing live. And at the time he says no, and I'm pretty sure Namanax never played live, though that someone could correct me on that. So you do see that. And again, a lot of interviews, sometimes you see people making statements that they end up switching on. This seems to be uh, something that he stayed with. And he said Namanax is, the idea is that it's going to be pulverizing noise. And I would say that that would be how I think of Namanax. And and we did listen to the album that's uh, coming out after this interview, Cascading Waves of Electronic Turbulence. So I would say pulverizing noise is a very apt description of Namanex. And yeah, that's the album that is about to come out as this interview is. They ask about the warning on the mm-hmm. Namanex CD, and which you know, obviously we're going to see warnings on multiple relapse release Was CDs. Was the warning warranted? Was it warranted? And again, I think it was a little bit of fun and a little bit of protection because these CDs were mastered so insane. And he did say that about 15 people said their speakers or stereos were broken. So I can see it. I mean, we've definitely, I've gotten a report that the first track on hair, please constantly terrified broke a radio station speakers. So I definitely do believe that these things do happen. And so I think a little bit of it, the warnings tongue in cheek, but also it is actually probably totally I mean, real. I'm here to report that uh, Mike has broken many speakers that we have owned over time, <laughs> uh, many instruments, many monitors. Uh, this is truth. Absolutely. Various ways, but but certainly through playing. Oh, and amps. Good Lord. <sighs> Forget about them. Oh, amps. I mean, end tables. Yeah, that is what they are. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoy, you know, they ask him about his, what got him, you know, coming from a metal background and, and it's funny to look back in 1995, the answer is very similar to many people we talked to, many people even to this day. Started with TG, went into Coil, went into Nurse with Wound, and then all of a sudden he hears Mersbau and Masana, and it's like, holy shit, this is mm-hmm. where the this might be the the end all be all. And he said, particularly our artificial imagination was was a big thing for him. Uh, lists a couple White House tracks that were big for him. So, you know, I feel there. And then also, you know, then throw in a little bit of Eno, throw yep. in, you know, it's lust more. Yeah, lust more. So yeah, you throw, I, mean, I got to agree ambient. with everything you're saying. Yeah. I'm like, hell I mean, yeah, we're man. We're down with all of it. Yeah, Classics, obviously. everything you, you got into, yeah, right on. Everything, yeah. So it's, but it is just like, 
it is the path that so many people took, no matter if you come from where you come from, that is the path, you know? And it was the, I think it was the older sister or whatever, older sibling mm-hmm. friend who had the TG, you know? So just so cool to see that and just to see it coming from, coming from Bill, you know, so cool. And I think really the, the biggest, the quote that really stood out to me from this and, and really predicts or, or for, foretells where we're at now and how this all came was he says you know he's excited to see how grind and death fans are getting more into electronic music and more into the noise music through what they're putting out and that's what happened i mean this Mm -hmm. that is literally what happened from this world of the people who are buying incantation and buying death metal and grind from relapse all of a sudden yeah there's this stuff and then you get Mersbaugh, Gorbian, Necropsy, which he lists as coming out soon. Yep. So it's we're we're it's just so cool to see an interview at the time when everything's just about to totally go into this direction that we haven't gotten off of to this day. And then next, he was asked about any philosophies on where noise will be heading, and the response is crazy. Uh, it is anything can be music to anyone. I think noise will become more popular, be bastardized into the fringes of mainstream culture, become boring, then condense back to being an underappreciated yet influential underground genre. Bill, uh, like there you got go, that man. crystal ball out, <laughs> just gazing into it yeah, right there. Yeah, I mean, how cool. <laughs> And it just, what a, what a cool interview, what a cool way to kick things off with this issue. And I was really psyched to see this and just at throw in a deadline ad at the end of the interview. I mean, you can tell how excited we are about this and man, what, what a great interview and article. And Hey, as we've said many times, Bill, you know, we'd love to talk to you. So let's make it happen. But there's just so much passion in his words, and it, it's very exciting to read. Yeah, it's a really, really great one. And, you know, if you didn't think that the Noise Extra Gang could continue their excitement or even up at a little level, the next interview is going to do just that because, hey, would you believe it is one of our absolute favorites? And would you believe that it was Tara's assignment to focus on? Mel and Kim. Oh, sorry, not Mel and Kim. Oh, not Mel and Kim. Smell and Quim. I mean, this is such a classic response from Smell and Quim, a classic response from Milovan Sardanovic. It was done via mail. This gave us a lot of information that we heard from the source itself. Uh, However, it just reminds me of, you know, you can look at Smell and Quim. Like I'm looking at um, your, your enemy's, enemy's balls, balls right now. Uh, and and I'm admiring the pitchfork on the junk food and the kebabs and the pepperonis and the garden trowel and the meat of it all, you know. And it's very silly, but it's not it's not silly and irreverent without substance behind it and without thought behind it and without like a true humanity that a true human that's examining the nature of living behind it. And and I think that really comes across in the smell and quim interview. And it's fantastic. Uh, this story was retold about Beaumont street studios where the mixing 
desk was actually a dissection table. Uh, even though the studios burned down in 1993, it was a former school building where Albert Pierre Point went to school. And that was, a, a, I think, a third generation executioner in the UK. Like his his father had been an executioner. So when people were sentenced to death, he was the hangman. And he used the English method. And, you know, of course, being the first smell and quim tape. Exactly. And for years, I always chuckled at the English me- method because I assumed it was a sexual position. I pictured it being like, like a missionary, like, like, darling, oh, darling. OK, you you lay down now and I will mount you and, and we shall have. <laughs> yeah, intercourse. exactly. Like it's a exactly like that's the English method always in my mind. But but it has an actual darker meaning. But I, isn't that true of classic like smell and quim titles where you are the one projecting something that is on that image on the words on what's being used it's they aren't necessarily meaning meaning that they don't need to because we are all perverts in our own right we are all dirty-minded in our own right and so we they don't need to insinuate that we give it to it ourselves also I found it really exciting that the Jism Killers, as is described as being a soundtrack for extreme sex. The Jism Killers LP is a soundtrack for weird sex. It is designed for people to put on and act as a backdrop for extreme sexual activity. You know what? I think that's fantastic. I think everybody has a homework assignment now. Yes, you gotta definitely. Listen to Jism Killers. You have to have some weird and or extreme sex alongside because that is the purpose of that album. Uh, I, and I think we should take it seriously. I agree. That is everyone's homework assignment this week. Uh, and then the other thing that is just like bopping around in my mind right now is the way that the concept of incorporating chance is woven into this article, uh, you know, Milovan discusses drawing numbers to determine which piece of equipment he's going to use while uh, having, you know, chance incorporated on. Hold on. Ah. Drawing numbers so that you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. He also referenced how the, the, studio burned down on Friday the 13th. Then at their next show, they had a deposit receipt of 666. And I like these things being brought to the forefront. Whereas, you know, we can think about these small actions that happen, small numbers, um, leaving things to chance, something that you find on the sidewalk. And yet as people, we tend to bring this higher meaning to it. And I like using that like with artists because doesn't that happen sometimes like you're playing something and you don't know how you made this sound but it was awesome so then you kind of keep doing the same thing or compete or repeating the same routines in hopes that that magic happens yes, again totally you know what i mean like and even thinking about like superstition it's hard to admit that you're superstitious but we were like when mike and i are at the racetrack with somebody who has done a lot of gambling over many, many years. And, and I get, you know, I'll pick something because of a lucky number that I perceive. And I, and I asked him, I was like, Hey, do you kind of get superstitious about like, which teller you go to, like what hand you give the money with, like how you're choosing if a number is unlucky, if a horse is unlucky. 
And he was like, yeah, of course, that's all I, you know, I research and I do all this stuff, but in the end it's luck, isn't it? It's all luck. That's right. And, and I love that. And I think that that's present in Smell and Quinn because he was talking about, you know, juxtaposition of opposites, like people being just filthy, dirty beasts, silly, but then also having heavy, dark topics, you know, at the same time. And that's really is where the magic of Smell and Quim comes into play is as in, in Milodon's words, the juxtaposition thing can really take off when ludicrous elements are introduced. So I love that, like taking the the absolute ludicrous and then pairing them with, with something else. And I think that's why, you know, we get really excited or as, as he also says, the alchemy of turning shit into chocolate. That's how it happens. <laughs> yes. You know, so we can use our higher minded selves, but at the same time, why not tap into chance? Why not tap into our animalistic side? Why not, you know, get weird with it and let those things happen at the same time. And I think that really speaks to us as, you know, weird people. Fuck. Yeah, I know. It's, it's so great. And yeah, your enemy's balls had, I think is the most recent thing, or at least it, at the time when this came out, it was the U S the main U S thing as, as he, as he points out, uh, Tain and smell and seven, which actually mm-hmm. technically was the first U S release, but What's also great is he notes coming out soon is the taint condom smell and quim set coming out of red stream. And, he, and uh, I believe he says uh, a winning combination for sure. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I think yes, all of, three of us can agree that. And I would assume all of listeners will yes. agree that that is one of the all time mandatory classic uh, and noise releases. And that's what's so fun too. Like, you know, discussing noise uh, influencing metal or metal influencing noise and crossing genre. Like that is exciting when people who you don't think have anything in common, do something together. Like the idea of smelling quim and obe, you know, the right, idea right. of well, even, even, even red stream who put yeah. out your music balls and the CD set, you know, they were a, a metal label as well, you know, and, and would continue that. So this is, this is when we see all of this, Happening. And people not feeling like they need to be combined to like contained in one vessel, like yeah. like they can, you know, branch out and and cross pollinate all of these different maniac ideas or non maniac maybe the, all these different elegant ideas with other styles of approach. And I yeah. think that's that's exciting, and it just the intense creativity that was happening uh, was great, and it and. You know, like we've said many times, it's all about momentum and the rising tide floats the boat. And once some people take off with it, then everybody kind of wants to like go along with it. And that's awesome. Or or when you're talking about smell and quim, the rising tide floats the jizz. Oh, yeah. The rising jizz floats the. Yes. Yeah. The rising the, jizz floats the shit. Oh, there you go. I think that's that, better. Yeah, I think that that's is, better. Yeah. yeah. So, Apologies. Uh, you know, absolutely incredible. Obviously, we're just already on fire with this issue. Naminax relapse kicking us off into smell and quim. And again, we're, we're looking at, you know, Redstream, who's also doing similar things that relapse doing and, and coming up later, there's CMI, which is also combining these worlds. Right. But following smell and quim, boy, gray. I think of you. I think of your output. Hey, I think of your recent interview over on White Centipede Noise, which everyone should make sure to check out if they have not gotten a chance to check out yet. Great interview. But you mentioned somebody who 
I basically have associated with you since meeting you. I Same. feel like we've listened to him together, like mm-hmm. in one of our first hangs, or you recommended a CD on one of our first hangs together. So who better to look at and report back on an interview with one Mr. Daniel Menji? Yeah, this must have been, I mean, Solomon was a big spot for me to order from when I was younger and they were putting out Menchie's stuff. So I might've gotten them from there or, and that would have been even sort of before understanding noise as fully or right. as much. That's one of the things I like about this is like some of my other interests or bands I like are crossed over in here. Like there's reviews of legendary pink dots stuff. Yep. in mm-hmm. here. So there's these other things that, crossover into this world and Menchie has been a long time favorite. Oh yeah. I've mentioned, I mean, I mentioned it in that recent interview. I just, the textural depth of his work and the physicality of it, it's still amazes me. In fact, I was listening to incineration earlier while reading this and just kind of zoning out and taking note of how good and interesting all the layering and textures and what struck me even more is the composition. I really just love his work, especially around this era. I mean, he's still going and still putting out great work, but you know, it's that, that stuff that really impacted and imprinted you is, is always hard to shake. And this is a really good interview. It's got a, a lot of info on how he approaches sound, which is something I always like reading. And in fact, audio drudge asked him how he got started. And he said he was trying to form a hard sound work that contained maximum emotion and would truly absorb the effect of the body and senses in individual ways. And I like just thinking about this, like he wanted to make this physically affecting noise by using his own body and using concrete elements. And that's what he would do. He talks about scavenging, uh, you know, dumpsters and thrift stores, whatever, for a bunch of tape recorders and reel-to-reels and crappy speakers and just playing all this loud music in a room (laughs) and recording it. And you hear some of that. That's the thing is so much of his stuff has space. And it's funny to read this and think about how his stuff is put together and the types of performances and things that I knew or was exposed to early on. Like he talks about just playing garbage and pushing things through the mixer and making that the main instrument is the mixer. And the, as he says here, the mass majority of my sounds originate from my own hands on objects. It's truly sculpting with sounds. And there's so much of that. Like listening today, I heard tapes of course, and spaces and, just gravelly contact mic stuff, but also pieces of glass, the the physical element of the microphone, you know, that just that kind of internal sound when you hit a microphone, all of those things in his sound. And a lot of the interview is spent time here discussing that sort of stuff, his frustrations with performing live and ha- having uh, weak PAs and not bringing tons of equipment to shows. It's a a fairly short interview at two pages and has a a photo of Daniel here with some equipment that you can't really tell what it is in there. It's a cool high Mm -hmm. contrast blown out pick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I couldn't even tell if he was wearing a mask or if it's his face or what's going on. Yeah. Only because it's just in my head. I, I was brought to the illusion of safety pick 
with, where he's got the weird like oh, goggles yeah. and mask mm-hmm. on for yeah. one second. It just reminded me yeah. of it just because we it just that's just fresh in my head still. Uh, and Jason asked him about the current Japanese noise scene and how his work relates, and he expresses great love for Japanese noise, but also says like my work doesn't relate at all because I'm American and I'm coming from this perspective. And I think that that is an important distinction, especially at this time. And there's talks about a couple upcoming releases in here that are really cool. One of which uh, never saw the light of day, a collaboration with speculum fight. And well, it's listed here as red nine sextant, but it's sextet on the the red nine tapes that I have called uh, Mm a black X black devoted to very extreme, intricate, hard noise. And so I actually asked Damien about this and he said it was never released, but he was sending sources back and forth with Daniel for it back in the day. And was it, yeah. was it completed or just I don't never think it was, ever no. finished. it just never got thin, never did that yeah. final touch. Yeah. When I asked him at first, his reply was, uh, it was too good to release. <laughs> There you go. Well, hey, I don't Which know. I maybe will choose to believe forever. Can't unleash that on the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now it's like now the expectations would be too high. But I was going to say, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it deserves uh, an unearthing. Well, it's so ironic, Gray, that you talk about the sound of microphones because, like, I'm sure you're acutely aware of what that's like because you get to hear me move mine constantly. <laughs> there you go. I'll do that a little morph there. Yeah, leave it in. <laughs> I can't edit it if you do it while you're talking. I know, right? I did that on purpose. She's so great. <laughs> so sneaky. <laughs> but a couple things that are funny, you know, in the Namanax interview, you talk about all the things that came to fruition, all the stuff he was talking about. And so this is here's one thing that didn't happen. Yeah. But one of the things that I really liked in here was that uh he mentions the extreme noise treaty compilation. Uh, on charnel music and release records, which of course would be the Japanese American noise treaty right, by the right. time it comes out. Which I'm yeah, which I'm pretty sure because they were going back and forth when we yep. talked to Mason. I'll have to go back and listen to our episode with him, but I believe there was you know it, the name was evolved a little bit, right? Yeah, a few things were bandied about, yeah. and also this music should hurt as an upcoming compilation appearance which is great yes and he talks about the hymns for slice velocities which is a 12 inch on tesco but here it's listed as a three inch cd oh yeah yeah i thought that was crazy because that's one of my favorite uh menchies for sure one of the classics and and yeah i i i love that note like oh i wonder when it was when it changed you know yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm uh, it well, seems and- like it would have been more affordable to make a three inch, especially with an American artist having to send artist copies and all that kind of stuff to like behind. Well, mailing wasn't nearly as bad back then, I guess. But also thinking about the how ambiguous when a release comes out is, especially then, you know, like right. when you're mailing back and forth with somebody and a release is going to happen, you're not exactly sure what it's going to be called until you see it, because yeah, they may sometimes- say one thing and then it turns out to be something totally different. And you just didn't get the info because they didn't write the letter yeah, to tell yeah, you like, that. Yeah, they'll find out when they get it. Or or even like, you know, you send something off, you know, you know you're gonna do uh you know a release together and then the person may choose to send it back and say, hey, is this good? Or they may just put it out. You know, you I never lo- really know. I love the idea. I like the idea that that he f- never got word that it was going to be on vinyl. And then one day he got a package. He's like, Oh, whoa, cool. Oh, cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it says fall 95 is like the expected release date for it. So who knows how soon before the interview was done that the you know, exactly. this stuff changed to, it could have been very early on or yeah. Uh, one of the things I liked in here is that audio dredge has 
How do you approach each release differently? How would you compare static burn, furnace fucker and incineration? Is there a visualized intent when composing? And the answer is I have a strong sense of feeling of temperatures. Most of the times I try to transform my sounds into distinct temperatures. It seems odd, but I always notice my blood pressure rising rapidly when working at extreme volume. And also it shows I would be drenched in sweat yet. I would hardly be moving. I admit this is a personal high for me. I love like, the photos I've seen of him from back then of the performances. He looks intense and focused and I can just imagine the just manipulating these small objects on a stage and being so overwhelmed by just loud sound pressure while doing it that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an endorphin rush. Very well, cool. I will say gray during your recent DJ set, uh, my whole rib cage was rattling. I made Mike feel it because it was so loud. Uh, it was, it was pretty wild, but also there's this weird phenomenon of, of sitting here and talking that makes me so sweaty when we record. Do you guys get sweaty when we record? I mean, I do just because it's so hot. Yeah, I think it's because we turn the air conditioning no, off. No, so but not he, it up on does the mics. that. But even in the winter time when it's cold, I'm like, oh, oh, I think it's, I think it's just the excitement of, yeah, sure. of everything. I mean, I, I, the I'm adrenaline. I'm definitely tuned when we're recording a podcast or recording noise. But when we are doing this, even though it is just us talking and talking like we normally would, anyway. Yeah, I definitely have a tingle and a an an added sense of uh, more tuned in or 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 extra or, alive or vibrating extra in a different focused. way absolutely yeah no i know it's just like yeah. when you're playing a set I, I, and absolutely. you practice it like you could practice it 10 times and then you start to play the set and it's never going to be exactly the same because doing it in front of the audience is never the same as doing it by yourself yeah, yeah, and then you, you know, even after a podcast, you think, "Oh, I meant to say that," or yeah, I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm kicking myself right now. There's a really great smell and quim quote that I'm just going to read out of context because I thought it was fantastic, and I want to do it, and I don't want to keep going on without saying it because I thought it was great and totally relevant to things that we all think about when we're experiencing media. Okay, great, I'm doing it. <laughs> smell and quim was asked, "Why do you think there's such a proliferation of horrific images used in industrial music? Does it go?" deeper than pure shock value. The response was, one explanation is in an interest of the extremes of human existence. People involved in peripheral and exciting areas of audio experience are also interested in the possibilities which exist in terms of other sensory forms. Hence, it seems natural that when faced with clothing, their audio produced in a visual jacket, they chose an equally extreme visual manifestation. Shock is relative to the viewer. Each spectator has a different index for shock based upon his or her psychic furniture and the encoded norms which have been placed by their conditioning. In my estimation, it's that it is a basic human desire to seek the other, the beyond, and the presentation of extreme images is a manifestation of the need to present the other. Let's look at something different rather than proliferating what is the same. Oh, that is so amazing. What Hell a, yeah. that, that is like, I want that anytime anyone asks a yes. question like that, like I would, <laughs> I just want that. And like, see, but that's, that's the beautiful thing about wall clip, right? Like mm -hmm. you get your enemy's balls and you get something so eloquently right. stated. I mean, and we, we experienced yeah, that obviously. We're looking for the extreme. Shock yeah. is relative to the pure. It's not just throwing something down just for pure shock value. But you get, yeah, of course, but you, yeah, you get butt fuckers ball and mm -hmm. you get this incredibly thought out 
ideas and and philosophy behind what he does. I mean, they, I mean that's why Walcott is just an absolute Exactly. Genius. He says he's he's using them performatively, not using them performatively as opposed to the use of flat horrific imagery. And and it's it's fantastic, but it is that juxtaposition of concepts that are really well thought out and concepts that got absolutely no examination prior to being used. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, something as simple as like throwing a fish uh, and why question it? Right. No, exactly. You it's, know that's what I why mean? He's, like, of course. He's a genius. It's, I'm, I'm not going to overanalyze that. Exactly. It's so great. You, exactly. You can, it, it exists on all planes mm-hmm. and that's why he is forever. So, yeah, that Menchie interview is pleasantly short. I mean, two pages, but full of info about the early performance style and the equipment used and the goals for the future. And I really dug that. I, I, you know, must have read this back then and just thinking about the kind of textures he conjures and creates. It was uh, inspirational to me and it still is reading it now. Uh, Just the the approach to work with raw and organic and natural sounds and process them and amplify them until they are something that just takes over the senses. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Well, three great interviews and then followed up by an interview with Roger Carmanic of Cold Meat Industry. And really cool. You know, there's been a a handful of interviews with him. Uh, The Spectrum one is one we always go back to. But Mm -hmm. definitely some, you know, his vision is is he's in that similar zone here as he would be in many interviews around this time. And again, I, it's just, it's that everything coalescing and combining in this era. And what, one thing I noted is that in this interview, he mentions the, an upcoming record on relapse, but in, in the interview, he calls it convulsive dead souls was, he said an mm. upcoming album on relapse called Convulsive Dead Souls. So I like obviously, that title. I like that title, but I mean, Inner War. I mean, it's I like mean, Inner, Inner War, War is iconic. Yeah, it, it, yeah, Convulsive Dead Souls yeah. is, is cool. Yeah, totally. It's but it's, it's a track title. It's track it's title. It's a track Inner title. War, which I don't know. Was there ever a track title of BDN with that? I don't think so. It doesn't It doesn't sound familiar. Maybe a comp track or something. But Inner War is like such a powerful I mean, title. You know. Even talking about how Aghast and Mortis sent them demos and he didn't know. And I, I want to say that Mortis said the same thing that he that he didn't realize that Mortis was in Emperor at the time or something. I want to say that Mortis said the same thing too. <laughs> that, that 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 he only found out afterwards or something like that. Uh, but again, th- what I think is so cool about this issue is right. So great, like you're saying, there's this combination of talking about everything, and you, and you really see it in the ads and the reviews, talking about everything from you know, from Namanax to Smell and Quim to Richard Ramirez to Project Records to Lycia to Cold Meat to Legendary Pink Dots, right? So it's that time where we, and it's it's just how we also mm-hmm. interact with things these days. This idea like the, 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 you know, the branches, right? And it's what we've done with the podcast. We've talked to Sam from Project. We, we, you know, we, we, we've talked with Smell and Quinn. We've talked to Richard. You, we, we like the idea of expanding everything that we're going to talk about. And in this issue, you see so, you see so much stuff we've covered in this it's issue. It's crazy. And then so many reviews, like I, I'm loving reading the reviews, but, but even 
bands were like, oh God, yeah, I got to listen to them again. Like it's all, yeah. it's so exciting. Yeah, that's always it's a like great a, thing. It's like a gentle reminder. Always. Get back in there. Yeah, absolutely. Always a great thing. And, and just that excitement of not having to have it all fit into one thing. Now, what's funny is that, so then there is the, the article, I guess, or editorial, uh, however you want to put it, about the idea, the archaic music, right? So the idea of Stephen Nape was trying to come up with another term as opposed to industrial, as opposed to, you know, basically stuff that's going to be on drone records, even maybe project, even mm-hmm. maybe CMI. You know, I, and I, I, these are, it's fun things, I think, to talk about different words or different terms that you're going to use. I still do, I fall back on call having noise be the term and and again again you could probably tear that it's accurate or not tear that apart i'm sure it all can i just i i like using noise and industrial are the two terms i like and then power electronics is something very separate to me but to me those three things are how i think of i put them into those categories for sure personally and then put on throw on dark ambient and that's pretty much you know I will use those terms a lot. I annoying every time I use one term in particular and I use it a lot and I don't like it and I need to stop using it. Hmm. I don't like using the word experimental. I think it's annoying. Oh, I find that sometimes I fall back on it because it's one of those like, well, it's not any of those four things I just said, Uh, but it is just kind of an annoying term. What do you think about that term? Gray? I mean, we all use it. Yeah, it gets said, but I, the problem with the word industrial is that it conjures up to a lot of people. If you're not talking to people in our world, they're thinking nine inch nails and a hundred percent. And I know that I just sort of, I just assume I basically like, if that's where you're going, when I'm talks using that word, we're already on different planes anyway. So I get what you mean by that. I still do like it though. I still do like it as a term. I use it. I would say I use it the most. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, and I, I might you, actually use it the most. And I, I do use it as a catch-all because, you know, things that are defying a specific genre, you want, like, you just, do you need something to describe people who are trying something different or trying something artistic or trying something in the underground, trying something personal? You like industrial? Yeah, but I yeah, like I'm it more, you. but I like it more than some sort of, like, I don't know, like, erudite university word where you're yeah, describing what, it in terms of a you yeah. know museum piece. And like, I feel like I experimental is that. more in that world. And that's why I need to, I, 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 every time I do, I'm like, uh, ah, I, I don't, think, I think you could get something that's more in that world. Yeah. But I, I like just think it's something elevated soundscape. Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's bad. But I also have to say like archaic is a little bit, it's like, I, do you, you prefer know, esoteric? It's not actually archaic music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I get, I get, I get the idea of like yeah, trying to separate it because you do think of that stuff at in a different way. You mm-hmm. know, I get that. You know, but I don't know. It's just, but again, it's just I like, I just in general like the idea of an article like this in a zine in the '90s where yeah. somebody wants to has this opinion about this and wants to, and even in, even in the article they don't <laughs> even necessarily say that it's the right thing. Like so, so they're even still questioning it. We want to we want to get you know knee deep in semantics yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point. I and, mean, why? Sometimes you got to do it. But I then guess. I do like. I then I do like. I like the specific expanding on terms where you use it for a specific project. I like how 
for example, eroticism uses the indulgence electronics. Oh, like I, yeah. I like, oh, like that we're, concept we're, of design, the, yeah. For your okay. own yeah. thing, right? So it's so the idea. Yeah. I do like that in general, but it's just a fun, it's a total 90s zine yes. discussion, right? It is, right? it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the problem with that is I don't have another word. And I just used the term, the problem with that, which I'm trying to stop saying. However, it, it's, it's reasonable in this situation. <laughs> the CMI Roger interview really is, it fits right in line with the spectrum. Like around this time, you just see yeah. where his head was at and this kind of stuff. So I, not too much need to go over any of the finer points in that. One of the things I do really like in this is the, oh, it, and it really has like more of a, small town newspaper layout to it the survival research laboratories video <laughs> yes. history yes. that layout is fantastic <laughs> so, yeah. i was so, so weird. excited it's so like what like well, where does it this took come me from? a moment i was like what am i looking at yeah yeah i thought it was an ad initially and then and but i you know after after figuring out what was going on i was just thrilled by it yeah and this is written by das from big city orchestra right so someone in the know on this stuff and it's a little overview and history of the survival research labs stuff which if you aren't familiar with i think maybe a, a scenic harvest from the kingdom of pain is the one to go to that's that to me always struck out as like the one that kind of clicked for me but there's so much cool strange footage out there and i think a lot of it is archived on youtube nowadays so dig into some srl definitely and would certainly be worth doing an episode going over i i would have to assume for all of us well at least certainly for me and tara i'm gonna just assume for you was the industrial handbook your introduction to yes i mean yeah. I, I feel yeah. like that's anybody who is of any age that wasn't there at the time I mean, that was always right. The, that that or this. So great. I mean, the, these two would have right, that would have right. come oh, in yeah, my for you, yeah. possession around the same time. So the, definitely, the approach the, is so exciting, and the danger of it is yeah tempting. And I, I don't know. I think it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. No, and then absolutely. we we hit the review section, and I'm gonna say that there's there's something that's in my recent listening that's reviewed in here, which is fun to to, to look Dude, at. The, for do sure. you have the same review? Compare and contrast. <laughs> we'll have got, to see. Got some different thoughts on it, <laughs> but but a bunch of stuff that we've done episodes, may, especially seven inch episodes on. There's an Anade review of Burning Flesh as well as the Drone Seven Inch. We've done episodes on both of those. Escort Sediments in here, right? Escort Sediment, which obviously we've done it episode on that one but if any I mean, any, any, into, any listeners in tune can tell how much we love that jeff grinky and also jeff grinky and randy greif uh things are reviewed in here that we've talked illusion of safety reviewed in here there it, is it, so it for much. hollywood smack i just did a solo seven inch episode on that seven inch so just cool mm -hmm. also to see that stuff all together where we still like we haven't gotten over this stuff. Like, it's still it, like, it's like, like, it's like better to us than ever. I was you know? excited. I was like, God, I need to listen to more Stratum Terror. Stratum like, I Terror, forgot about yeah. Stratum Terror. Yeah, Why did, can't yeah. I listen to more we, Stratum Terror? We threw him in the that Slaughter episode, and Terror's yeah. like, dude, we need to listen to more Stratum Terror. Oh, there like, was somebody else I was like, I meant to listen to more of that, and I haven't. And I, that was I, annoying. I agree. Yeah. So oh, like, and then there's just the Pure series. Oh, that's so great, right? So the Pure series. 
there's an ad, but then also there's a little note where it's like the we didn't get these in time for the issue, but they're gonna be in the next issue. And he's basically like Ron should be commended for this series. So great. Like so just again seeing it at the time he's, and how people thought. Go ahead and read it. At, he said uh at the low prices that these are offered at, how can you beat this? Granted, you have to like punishment. This ain't no day at the beach for the old auditory system, but still, Ron should be commended for this venture. Hell yeah. yeah absolutely Hell yeah. true. I love these reviews. And, Hell yeah. and they're not all like reviews like, this was fantastic. Like the reviews are wild. They go all over the place. They make me- uh, he'll, die, he'll tell me say yeah. if, he's, if he's not a fan of something and that's cool too. There's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. being critical. And, and also- when he said that uh, Richard about Richard Ramirez, Texans uh, on oh, a whole are really fucked. Yeah, Texans. <laughs> yeah, when he was reviewing cataclysmic, uh, cata- cataclysmic fractures, is I'm getting the feeling that Texas Texans on a whole are really fucked. <laughs> I was so, I I highlighted that. I'm like, oh, I yeah. love this. So he loves Ramirez, which is really cool. Reviews certain cruelty because he it seems like he got a bunch of slaughter tapes at the time, and he talks about how he's so psyched on slaughter right now. Right, so you know you get to see. That's the thing is you get to see all of this in a time when it was happening in this, you know, immutable way because it's in print. It's there. It, it exists in print. And and it you can really start to get a sense of history when you look at zines. And that's why they're so important. And that's why ads and zines are so important. And, you know, even the reviews doesn't matter agreeing or not agreeing. That's not the point. The point is seeing all these, what was coming out at the same time. You know, Rape of Angels is is yeah. great. Is another great one. We've talked Looking about at the times. old Europa Cafe Dude, catalog in, in April of 95, seeing the new releases on Stallplot. Like yeah. every, it's great. It's a really, this is just such an incredible, it's, it's invaluable. It is invaluable. And it's funny to see stuff that we love, stuff that we've later come to love, things I d- didn't really know about that I, you know, we've done in like a Kirkenkampf. We did a seven inch episode on it. There's a tape review in here, but it was like, yeah, that was kind of off my radar until a few years ago. Yeah. And yeah, seeing some of the stuff we've covered, seeing the way like crawl unit after music's in here. uh, There's just these sort of things that we always talk about and we always go back to. And a lot of them are spelled out right here. The slaughter stuff. And one of the things I really like in here, you know, a big fan of Slaughter, obviously, but also a big fan of Loki Foundation. And there's three yep. Loki Foundation reviews in here. He gets a little more excited with each one he wrote. I feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. talking about how awesome the label is. Now it's really one to watch out for. And like around the time I got this, I would have would have been when I started tracking down Loki tapes. And what a cool thing to see as a tie-in of like of course he helped influence that i was just reading about this stuff and it's like this sounds exactly like what i want reading the you know that was one of the things that malignant did and maybe even still does on on the website there was no blurb in the in his catalog for malignant records that was like the label copy it was a written description of that he wrote his listening to it, a mini review, if you will, to kind of sell you on a thing. And so you get a lot of that personality here and it's a lot like the catalog I would read where I would decide what I wanted to buy. Right. The zine translated to that same skill. The zine translated that same skill to his mail order catalog. And I miss that the days of things not being a a one sheet press release, whatever. I've talked about this before, but yeah, Everybody with the same line on why this record's great, which is just the line that the PR guy 
wrote or whatever. I like these more personal things for it. I think it's I think it's important. I would like to get back to doing it myself, actually. But there's so much awesome stuff in here and so many like the ad, there's an ad for Wumpscut in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not a thing that I would normally like associate with this, but then it is because he was carrying a lot of the Wumpscut noise X, like the Ant Zen stuff uh, in the mail order catalog, you know, around this time or later. Like there's an ad for the Invisible Domains compilation, which has Vrom, Soldnergeist, Contrastate, Kirkenkampf, Illusionist Safety, Yenpox, Voice of Eye, Meritri, and Lol on it, and Stone Glass Steel. Uh, Tara literally goes, she goes, do we own that comp? I go, no, but I bet Gray does or at least has at one point oh, in his yeah, life. I was I like, he better read it. that because I want to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I was exactly also like, I can picture the cover in my head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. We're like, we need to listen to more Yenpox, too. What happened? Uh, I, I, I said I wanted to listen to more Yenpox. I forgot. And now I reminder, got a reminder, reminder from this zine. Absolutely. From an ad, which is so exciting. Absolutely. And actually, even the in the opening thing, it the, it says upcoming on on malignant is a Yenpox CD. So I'm assuming that would be blood. It had music. to be blood music, yeah, yeah, which we did an episode on. So you know, it's it's just going back sometimes to the to these old days. You just see how we're still there. We haven't haven't gone anywhere. It's hardwired in our brains. It it really really is. Well, this is a really cool, and this is a, an idea that we've talked about doing for a while, going through an episode of a magazine. I'd like to do this more. I really enjoy doing this. Uh, if anyone has uh, suggestions of something they'd like us to go through, obviously there's some of the classics. You know, we'll, I'm sure we'll do it with a banana fish uh, and, and, and others, but if there's any ideas anyone would like us to hear us go through, we'd be psyched to do that. And again... You can go through this entire issue on archive.org. We will have the link on the show page and the the you know podcast page and the all, all that In stuff. The spot. You, you know, you, you know where it know. is. We you don't know where know. it goes. Yeah, yeah. Gray knows where it goes. Yeah, Gray does that. Just as a reminder, <laughs> email Mike at noiseextra.com. Gray, G-R-E-H at noiseextra.com or Tara. Not like the potato chip, like T-A-R-A at noiseextra.com. There you go. Shoot us some emails. Give us any suggestions of stuff and, you want us to go through. And I'll see your email us uh, zines you want to go through. And if you have a suggestion for an episode you think that the three of us would be good at doing, uh, maybe not specifically an album, but a type of episode in our idea, shoot it our way. We We've like having these variety yes. episodes. Mm -hmm. We've been enjoying doing the different episodes, the studio reorganization, the synth episode, this. So, yeah, we're, we're looking and, and we have I mean, ideas we benefited. As well. From those episodes greatly yeah. so we of course enjoyed those episodes yes. and yes if you you know I, I know a lot of people are wondering if gray will can come fix their stuff can maybe can do some car repair you know i'm oh, all for it is just as if he does it make sure you guys all get an episode out of it that's all i ask yeah and then also gray i didn't tell you a twist to the whole saga is that yesterday i was looking at our power strips reevaluating them Guess who has two power strips missing a grounding plug? Oh, wow. I'm it just got knocked. Guess the Connollys. Just knocked it right off. You, you know, it kept using can't confirm them. or deny know. that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of course it's us. We're the worst. So <laughs> obviously, as everyone knows, Tara and I are the worst. I don't know. Ray, you're the best and a genius and can fix everything in our certified synth no. car repair. <laughs> yes. Certified. Uh, yep. cer yeah, certified, certified repair uh, gentleman. Yes. So uh, that is check true. It out. Well, 
This was a lot of fun. We're going to go ahead to the Patreon and talk about a bunch of recent listening and other things in that realm. Go check out Audio Drudge and never forget the 90s. You have been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.